uh, my father-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law. I'm so thankful for the ministry that God has allowed them to be able to do here in the city of Brockton. I'm so grateful for the great things that God has in store and for all of you that are here working with them, all of you that have been faithful to this ministry. I want to encourage you, don't give up because yes. there's going to be glory. You're going to see yes. the promise of the Lord come Praise to pass. You're going to see yes. God do exactly what he Hallelujah. said that he's going to do. Amen. 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 If you can stand with me. This morning, going into the afternoon. As we know, this is the last Sunday of the year 2019. Yes. And we just got to give God praise and thanks that he's brought us through another year. Amen. 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 It may not have been the best year of your life, but you made it. And we look forward with great expectations. Amen. 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 If we could turn our Bibles to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And I want to read from the verse uh, 15 through 20. Genesis chapter 50, reading from verse 15 through 20. Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of thy God, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be the, thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am, am I in the place of God. And this is the key verse here. But as for you, ye thought evil right. against me. Right. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. I want to read that one more time. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God, but God. meant it unto good. Praise Amen. I want to preach this, this, this afternoon on the topic of the process before the dream. Amen. Let's pray together this time. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are in this place even now. God, we feel you moving. We feel your presence ministering to your people. And Lord, right now, we ask that your angels would sit on every seat, on every row, God, and would minister, Lord, to the need of every person that's present here today. Lord, I don't take it lightly that you give me this opportunity to speak to your people. And I ask that you, the Lord Jesus, move me out of the way, oh God. Use me as a vessel of honor to speak to your people. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, oh God. Give us a mind to understand and a heart to receive what you're saying today. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. Praise one time, one more time for being a faithful God. Amen. You may be seated. 
Amen. The process before the dream. Now, we read this, this, this afternoon from Genesis chapter 50. And this is about the conclusion of the story of Joseph. But the story actually starts for Joseph way back in chapter 37. And what we see is that Jacob, who was a servant of God, who was later, his name was changed to Israel, he had 12 sons. And Je Joseph was the second to last son, but him and his brother Benjamin was born to the woman that he truly loved, which was Rachel. And Rachel actually died shortly after giving birth to Benjamin. So Jacob truly cherished his two youngest sons above the other ten. And he, he, he didn't make any, any, any uh, effort to not show his favoritism towards Joseph and Benjamin. Now, sidebar, this is never a good thing for parents to show open favoritism to one child over the other. But for some reason, Jacob decided that he was going to give this son that he loved so much a special coat of many colors. And he, he would send Joseph out to go watch his brothers as they would tend to the sheep. And he was also working with the sheep. But what Joseph would do is he would come back with a report to his dad. So in other words, he was snitching on his brothers. And you know, as young kids, we, we, we typically don't really like tattletales. Especially when we're not really doing what we're supposed to do. We don't like someone to go back and tell on us and say, so-and-so was doing such and such, such and such. But that's what Joseph would do out of loyalty to his dad, not realizing that he was building up walls between him and his brothers. So they already didn't like him because he was the tattletale of the family. Right. But then all of a sudden one day they go out to the field and something looks different about Joseph. He's wearing a special coat now that nobody else got. A coat specially designed by their dad. And they already, I'm sure by this point, understand that their dad loved Joseph's mom more than their mother's. Wow. So already there was enmity between the brothers and there was not uh, complete peace and harmony in the household. And, and it only made matters even more uh, terrible when Joseph began to tell them about these dreams that he was having. Now, I know when I was younger, I heard this story over and over, and I kind of assumed that at the time that Joseph was telling the dreams that he had to his brothers, maybe he was about eight years old, 10, maybe 11 or so, because you know, when you're young, you don't typically consider the feelings of others or how people might uh, feel with, with you bragging about, you know, these dreams that you're having. But uh, the, the Bible tells us that he was about 17 years old at the time that he was telling his brothers about these dreams. And he, he told them about these different dreams where he, basically every dream that he was having, his whole family would be bowing down to him. So already he was being seen and treated as the golden child. And, 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 you know, sometimes if you feel as if, you're, you know, you're getting a special favoritism, sometimes you try to shy away from that a little bit so that you don't get wrongful treatment as a result. But it, it seems as if Joseph was running towards this golden child treatment and he was telling his family that it's always going to be this way. That I'm being treated as the golden child for a reason because I'm special and you're not. And one day you're going to bow to me. So you can only imagine the angst that his brothers felt towards him. You can only imagine how much they, they really, truly disliked their younger brother, Joseph. 
And, 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 and the, the Bible says that one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream. He said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think that you will be our king, don't you? Do you actually think that you are going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had an, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him saying, what kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what those dreams meant. So here he was thinking that his, his family would be happy for his promotion, that his family would be happy for his, his eminent rise. But you got to be careful who you tell your dreams to. Yes, sir. Because unbeknownst to us, a lot of times we, we, we live among dream killers. We live among people that will, will be for you as long as you're both in the struggle. But as soon as you start to ascend, as soon as you start to rise, they're going to start to have jealousy towards you. They're going to start to try to, to, to pull you back down. And, and that's what we call the crabs in the bucket mentality, where one begins to rise out of that bucket and, and begins to, to, to do better for themselves. And instead of helping that person to climb, they instead try to drag them down. And, you know, even though, even though the, the dreams didn't seem all that appealing to the brothers, none of them were able to see that, well, if our brother gets into a position of power, we are all benefited from it. None of them were able to have the insight to see that if our brother is in a position uh, as, as, as a king, then we are all going to be blessed because we are connected to him. So, of course, jealousy grew and, and it got to the point where they started to plot against Joseph. So one day they were out in the field as they usually do. And Joseph came to check on them as he usually did. And instead of it being a regular day, they plotted to actually kill their brother. And if it wasn't for the oldest Reuben saying, hold on, let's not put his blood on our hands. Let's just, you know, put him in a pit and, and you know, and whatever happens will happen. And he secretly planned to come and save Joseph. So they came, they, 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 they attacked him and they put him in this cistern with no water and they left him there. And, you know, you would think they would just go back home feeling a little guilty. But the Bible says that they sat down and ate while Joseph was in the pit. So imagine that usually if you feel remorse, you probably can't even eat. If you're feeling guilty, you're not going to be able to sit down and feast. But they, they felt so satisfied with what they had just done that they were able to eat not too far away from where their, bro their brother was struggling and, and holding on for their life. And we know how the story goes. Uh, merchants eventually came and they sold their brother into slavery. So I want you to put yourself in the position of Joseph now. You were so excited about these dreams or these dreams that you were having and, and you understood that you were going to be in a position of power. But here you find yourself in a pit. All of your brothers have turned against you and put you in this pit. And now all of a sudden you find yourself sold into slavery. 
And, and that's what happens a lot of times. We'll get a prophecy, we'll get a dream, and we'll, we'll, we'll hear from God about what God wants to do in our lives. And, and, and in our minds, we see ourselves on a smooth path towards that destiny. We see ourselves going directly to exactly what God promised. But how many of you know that's not how it works? You'll see the dream, but you won't see the struggle. You won't have a dream about how hard it's going to be on the way to getting to that dream. That's true, man. Wow. So I can only imagine the disappointment, the, the, the confusion that Joseph was feeling as he was being carried off to be sold as a slave. He's like, wait a minute, I, I thought that these dreams meant that I was going to be in a position of power. How am I now lower than where I first began? And he was sold to a man named Potiphar. But because Joseph had already, uh, during his younger days, built a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that as he was a slave in Potiphar's house, all of a sudden, Potiphar's house began to prosper. And, and it wasn't because of... Uh, you know, Potiphar made the right pick. It was because the favor of the Lord rested on Joseph. So even in a position of slavery, he was able to attract yes, the favor of the Lord and yes, everyone uh, connected to him was able to benefit from his favor. Yes, sir. So we understand that, that even though Joseph was in, he was a slave, he was still being able to prosper because of God that was with him. Yes, he did. Yes, he now, I find it interesting that God gave Joseph these dreams at a young age. Because what would have happened if, you know, Joseph was going about his regular life with no promises of uh, future or anything like that, and all of a sudden his brothers turned against him and he was sold into slavery? He would have probably given up hope from the moment he was put in that, in that pit. But because he had a dream in the back of his mind, no matter how bad things got, he always was able to hold on to the dream. Yes. And I believe that's why God will give us a prophecy. God will give us a promise before the pain. Because he wants us to hold on to that promise. He wants to see if we can have faith and trust in him that he wow. is still consistent and faithful to do exactly what he promised in the midst of our pain. Amen. So many times in life we feel like we're being punished. We feel like, you know, I was doing the right thing. Why did I end up going through this horrible situation? I felt like I was being obedient to God. I turned down many different opportunities that would have uh, drawn me away from God, but yet I still don't feel like my life is where it's supposed to be. Am I the only one that's ever felt like that before? We feel like we have been unjustly uh, paid off for our faithfulness. We feel like we're not getting the reward that we truly desire. We feel like we're going through something that was meant for somebody else. We didn't deserve this light in life. My Lord, my Lord. But the thing is that we have to hold on to the promise. We have to keep hope alive, as they say in the world. But in, in, in biblical terms, hope is not a wish. Hope is not something that you wish for. Like, as a young child, you would probably say, I hope I get that new toy for Christmas. Right. But in reality, you don't really have any control over whether or not you get that toy. You're just wishing that this wish will come true. But biblical hope is actually expectation. So in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what the writer was saying, he's not saying that when you have faith, you're wishing for something. You literally expect it to happen. 
So if you have faith, it's something that you can't see, but you're still expecting it. So that's why faith will have you looking crazy sometimes, because you're literally expecting something that you don't see. And it's funny because a lot of times we as humans struggle with faith, but we have faith in everything else. You flip that switch, you expect for the light to come on. You're not wishing or, or saying maybe it'll actually happen this time. You flip the switch and you'll probably walk away not even concerned with whether or not the light is coming on because you have an expectation that when I do this particular thing, it's going to happen. But yet when we when we get a promise from God, because life doesn't align directly with what we want to see, all of a sudden we lose hope. We lose expectation. But I want to encourage you today is on this last Sunday of 2019, yeah. you may not have seen everything that you planned for, everything you wrote in your journal at the beginning of the year, but keep trusting in God. Yeah. Keep believing in God. God is not like man that he should lie. He is the son of man that he wouldn't keep his promise. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you of the fact that God is not subject to time. Time is subject to God. He holds time in the palm of his hands. And a lot of times we get that misconstrued. We think that God has to work on a timetable. We're looking at the days and we're like, wait a minute, 2019 is over. I guess it can't happen now. But we forget that a day to God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So God is not worried about any 2019. God is gonna do things when he sees exactly fit to do them. It's up to us to trust in God and wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Joseph in, in, in this story is teaching us so much because he's in the house of Potiphar now and he's working as a slave. I'm sure in the back of his mind he's wondering how did I get here? But he doesn't choose to get a bad attitude. Right, right. He keeps he maintains a positive attitude in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of what he's going through. And, and that's a lesson for all of us because attitude plays such a huge factor Amen. in our lives. Amen. Yes, it does. You know, it's said that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And that's all uh, based on your attitude. How am I going to react to things that I feel are unfair? How am I going to react when I feel like I've been faithful, when I feel like I've been doing the right thing, and all of a sudden things take a turn for the worse? Am I going to develop a bad attitude, or am I going to continue to trust in God? Am I going to continue to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not into my own understanding? Yes, yes, amen. You know why? Because your understanding will tell you it's time to give up. You trusted in God, and you still haven't seen what you've been trusting in God for. Why keep holding on? Why keep trusting in God when you're not seeing any, any benefits from it? But the Bible tells us that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And a lot of times when you don't see what you're looking for, all of a sudden you can begin to feel weak and, 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 and sick in your spirit. But you have to keep hoping and trusting in God. David went through a time when he was with his soldiers and, and, and the enemy was attacking and he didn't have any answers. And, and all of a sudden his soldiers were turning on him like, you brought us out here, took us away from our families, and you're just gonna, about to kill us. So we might as well turn on you because you don't even have a plan. You're supposed to be our leader. And the Bible says that David began to become very distressed within his soul. Right, Lord, my Lord. 
But then all of a sudden, the, the scripture changes because it says, but David encouraged himself yes, in the Lord his God. Yes, he did. Amen. See, maybe, maybe the reason why he became distressed is because he himself did not have the answers. But all of a sudden, within his spirit, he understood that my God still has not changed. The situation has changed, but my God has all of the answers. It's not up to me. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. Yes. Amen? Because in the midst of whatever you're going through, God still has a plan. Somebody look Amen. at someone next to you and say, God still has a plan. Amen. Similar, similar to Joseph, another character in the Bible named Job had a similar turn of events in his life. He was a just man. He was a man that trusted in God. He was a man that walked with God. So much so that when the enemy was looking for someone to bother, God suggested Job. Right. The enemy didn't have to bring up Job. God said, have you considered my servant Job? If you're looking for someone to attack, I have a great candidate, wow. my servant Joe. I'm so confident in him, I know that I can remove my hand and you can attack him and he's still not going to turn his back on wow. you. Many times I have to ask myself the question, can God nominate me for trouble? Can God tell the devil, my servant Andrew, I bet you I take my hand off him and you can attack him all you want. He's still going to be faithful. That, 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 that'll cause me to do a whole lot of soul searching. Because I believe I'm faithful, but, you know, I, I want God to be able to brag on me. I want God to be able, well, let me not speak so fast. I, I don't want that trouble. But I do want God to have the confidence that if the devil is looking for someone, he knows that he can trust me to be faithful in the midst of trouble. So, back to the story of Joseph. Joseph is in the house of Potiphar. And like I said, favor has, has now been attached to that house because of God's servant, Joseph. And Joseph is living in the house. He's being faithful. He's doing all the things that he should do. And now uh, Potiphar elevates him to a position where he's just under Potiphar, where he has dominion over everything except for Potiphar's wife. And of course, now all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife develops eyes for Joseph. And now she's starting to uh, find moments where it's just her and him alone and she's trying to tempt him to do something that he knows that he should not be doing. And, and, and she's trying to find him in a moment of weakness because we are all human and in moments of weakness maybe our minds are not thinking the way that they're supposed to. But Joseph's character was so strong. His relationship in God was so strong that even when it was just him and Potiphar's wife alone, he had an opportunity to say, you know what? Life has been hard. I've been faithful and life still turned out to be way uh, worse than what I ever anticipated. Yes, Why not take this slight moment of pleasure? Why not just take this opportunity that's falling into my lap? It's not like he pursued after her, she pursued after him. And not just once, she was coming day after day and, and, and she, let's remember now, she had the rule over him. Yes. So technically, even though it was wrong, he was supposed to do what she said. But he, his response was, how could I ever commit this great sin against my God and against my master? Amen. Now, I want to pause here for a second to remind us that at this point in the, in the Bible or in history, the Ten Commandments were not in place yet. 
There was no law that was saying, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not commit fornication. There was nothing in, set in stone to, for, for Joseph to have in the back of his mind. He was solely dependent on his relationship with God. He wasn't going based off the law. He knew that if he was to do this, this act, that he would be committing a great sin. He would be, uh, he would be disobeying his God. So this is the type of character that Joseph had. He didn't need a preacher to tell him, this is A, B, and C of what you can't do. He was so uh, close in covenant relationship with God that he would say, how could I commit this great sin against my God? Come on now. He didn't have to come to Potiphar's wife with, well, you know, I would, but, uh, you know, the, the Ten Commandments say that I'm not allowed to do this, so therefore I'm not going to do it. He said, how could I? How could I? Imagine that in the midst of him being a slave, in the midst of him feeling like God had left him all alone, he was still faithful enough to say, how could I commit this great sin against my God? So here he's showing us faithfulness. He's showing us loyalty. He's showing us character. Can you still uh, maintain good character when life has turned against you? Come on now. Can you still maintain good character when the opportunity presents itself for you to do something underhanded? Through everything that Joseph went through, he still remained faithful to God. Yes. So we, we see that, that even though he made the right decision, even though he remained honorable, still she lied on him. And, 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 and accuse him of rape and all of a sudden he went from being you know things are starting to look a little bit better a little bit better right. and now he finds himself in prison mm. my Lord, my the Lord. dreamer that had all of this promise all of this, this uh, expectation for a great life and to be in a position of power now he found himself in prison mm. with no hope to get out so Let's look at let's look at you know his, his his plight right now. He's in prison. He still has this dream in the back of his mind, but there is no timetable. There is no imminent promise that he's going to be freed from from prison, or all of a sudden things are going to get better. Because I'm sure when he got elevated to the position in Potiphar's house, he probably said, "Okay, I, I might just be on my way. I might just be on my way to things being better." But all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out from under him. And he finds himself in prison. So this is a good this is a good opportunity to give up, isn't it? This is a good chance for him to completely give up hope and to give up on God because it seems as if God has completely left him out to dry. Many times in life, we we we, we can't sense God. Right? Don't 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 feel like you're less of a believer or less of a Christian when you go through a space in life where you feel like you can't hear from God. Because it happens to every one of us. We all go through struggles where we feel like God is not near us. We feel like God is not with us or we can't hear from God or we can't feel God. And it's in those times when we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to remind ourselves of the promises of God. God told us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Even if you feel alone in the moment, you must remind yourself that he said, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of this earth. Mm. Amen. 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 
Many times, many times, you know, you, you go to many churches throughout this city, throughout all of Massachusetts and all around the world, you'll hear many preachers today preaching about all the great things that God is going to do for you in 2020 and how you're going to have 2020 vision and everything's going to start to make sense and all of these different good things. They're good things. They're, they're, they're good things that, that, you know, we should encourage ourselves with. We should have hope and vision for the future. Right, right. But... Jesus didn't always promise us that everything was going to be good. As a matter of fact, he made a promise. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. Amen. I hate to break it to you, but that's a promise from Jesus himself. You will have trouble. But he didn't just leave it there. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So no matter what you're going through, you can remind yourself that I am victorious because my father has already overcome the entire world. Whatever I have to face, God has already overcome it. And because of that, I am more than a conqueror. Tell yourself, I am more than a conqueror. So we are promised to have trouble. But like the psalmist said, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of yeah. death. I will fear no evil. Amen. See, the thing about the shadow of death is it's only a shadow. Mm. It feels like death. It looks like death, but it's only a shadow. And, and, and he says, even though I'm walking in, in, in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Amen. In the time when you feel the loneliest, when you feel like everyone has left you, everyone has forsaken you, God is with you. I want to remind you today, you may be feeling down, but remember, God is with you. It may be a valley time in your life. God is with you. 2019 may not have worked out as you had planned, but God is still with you. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. So here we see that Joseph is now in prison. He, he meets his two friends, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, as well as the butler of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, they, they wake up one morning and, and, and Joseph can tell that they're troubled, that something is not right with them, that they, they look different than they normally look. And he asks them, like, what, what's going on? Why, why do you guys look so distraught? What, what's the matter? And they tell him, we both had these troubling dreams that we can't seem to figure out. And it's, it, it's no accident that they're, they're talking to the one that was known as the dreamer about their dreams. Because now God has elevated them to a place of interpreting dreams. So they tell him the dreams, and, and, and Joseph interprets for the cupbearer that you're going to be restored to your position, but the baker, unfortunately, you're going to be hung. And, 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 and he, he told the cupbearer, he said, please make me this promise that when you get back to your position, please remember me. So here we see the desperation of Joseph. He, he, he doesn't like being in prison, as no one would. Even though the Bible tells us that even in the prison, he had favor. Even in prison, he was placed over all the other inmates. But he still was looking forward to a better day. And he said, when you get back to your position, please remember me. And as the story goes, the cupbearer instantly forgot about Joseph. And it wasn't until two years later when Pharaoh was having a nightmare or a bad dream that he couldn't figure out. All of a sudden it dawned on him, oh my goodness, I haven't kept my promise. I forgot about my old friend back in prison. 
I got back to my position and all of a sudden I was all worried about me. I forgot about my friend back in prison. So he suggests that this boy, this Hebrew boy that's in prison, he knows how to interpret dreams and God is with him. So they bring out Joseph and as we know the story goes, he interprets Pharaoh's dream to mean that there's gonna be seven good years and seven years of famine. And during the good years, they need to prepare for the famine. And because God used them in that moment, all of a sudden now, the dream comes to pass that Joseph is elevated to this position of power right under Pharaoh. So Joseph had dominion over everything in all of Egypt. He was right under Pharaoh, and now everything is all of a sudden looking up just like that. But imagine over two years sitting in a prison. Nothing is happening. He's, he, he doesn't see any, any chance of him getting out. He doesn't see any hope, but yet he still holds on to the dream. Amen. See, God doesn't always come exactly when we want him to. Yes. Right, right. But we must hold on to the fact that his ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. He's Amen. thinking on a whole different level. His, he's on a whole different playing field. And we just have to trust that God knows best. Amen. That's true. Can I be honest? Yeah, go ahead. There are some things that I prayed for that didn't happen. And and this was years ago. And to this day, I don't still exactly see why they didn't happen. You know how sometimes we'll say, like, you know, I prayed for something. I thank God he didn't answer my prayer. And I see how much of a you know a curse that was gonna be. But I'll be honest, there's some things I prayed for that I still don't see why it didn't happen. But I trust that God knows best. I trust that God, He he wants the best for me, and he's going to keep me away from those things that will do harm to me. And that's the, type, that's the place that we have to get to where we understand that God is our Heavenly Father. He loves us so, so much. We can never truly comprehend the love of God, the love that God has for us. He loves us so much that if you were the only human on the earth, he would have still died for you. Yes. He would have still laid down his life for you because he loves you personally that much. So if he loves you enough to die for you, how much more will he have great plans for your life? How much more will he have an appointed time to work on your behalf, in your favor? Amen? But what we'll see from this story is that God didn't just elevate Joseph just for him. He put him in a position of power to help his family. And to help his people. See, a lot of times we get it confused. God will give us a position and we think it's all about us. Right. We think it's all about us looking good. It's all about God blessing us and, and God doing things on our behalf. But God will bless us to be a blessing to Amen. others. Absolutely. And not, not by accident, God used them to be a blessing to the very ones that tried to kill him. So even though Joseph already had good character, he'd already proven himself faithful, God was still putting him in a position where he had to forgive his brothers. Because all of a sudden, famine broke out everywhere, and now his brothers had no food. And Jacob, their father, said, listen, why are we standing around looking at each other? There's food in Egypt. Go down there, buy some food, and bring it back. Praise God. And as they came to the palace, just like Joseph's dreams, they were bowing down before their little brother. Mm. But they didn't even realize it. And of course, Joseph did. And, and we know how the story goes. He, he was weeping and he had them go and, and, and bring back Benjamin. But eventually, he was able to reveal himself to his brothers. 
in a moment where he had an opportunity to get revenge on every one of them. He could have made them slaves for the rest of their lives. But he told them, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. So that means that men can't change what God has already put in place. If God says yes to you, no one's no can overrule that, that, that yes. What they meant for evil, they were trying to get rid of their brother. But God had already ordered his steps. God had already aligned his plan and his will in order for Joseph to get to this destiny. It, he had to go through slavery. He had to go through jail. But God's plan was always intact. And that's what we have to remember. No matter what we're going through, God's plan is still at work in our lives. Amen. We still have to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. And eventually, we are going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He, and that means that there's many times where he, he wanted to give up. He wasn't seeing things happening the way that he anticipated. But he said, you know what? If I didn't remind myself of the goodness of the Lord, of the promises of God, I would have given up. But he's, he goes on to say, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Somebody look at someone next to you and say, wait on the Lord. And be of good courage. Good Amen. And Isaiah says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and never faint. So in the midst of your waiting, God is building you up. God is giving you more strength for the journey. God is causing you to be able to mount up with wings as eagles. So that means that in the midst of your waiting, you're becoming better. You're becoming stronger. So by the time you get to the place where God has prepared for you, you're going to be better because of the wait. Look at somebody say, you're going to be better because of the wait. Man, God has a plan for you. And I want to remind you, in the midst of calamity, God's plan is still intact. You may have went through the worst season of your life. But God still has a plan for you. And, and, and Jeremiah, God told him that I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith God. Thoughts of good and not of evil. And I have a plan of an expected end for you. In other words, I have a final destination that I am bringing you to. And it's up to you to trust in me that I will get you there. Trust in me that I'm going to get you exactly where you need to be. Amen. Three principles that Joseph teaches us are, number one, always remain faithful to God. No matter what life brings your way, remain faithful to God. Yeah. Trust in God no matter what. No matter how bad life gets, there are so many opportunities for Joseph to give up on God. But he always remained faithful to his God. Number two, keep your integrity intact. Awesome. Because as we saw, Joseph was alone with Potiphar's wife. And it was very possible that he could have gotten away with doing what, what she wanted him to do and maybe no one would have ever found out. But he always understood that God's eyes were always watching. That God was, was, was looking to see if he would maintain integrity and an opportunity for him to do something underhanded. And number three, we have to forgive those that hurt you. 
And this is something that we hear all the time, but it's such a hard pill to swallow. Because many times as humans, we feel like those people that hurt us don't deserve to get off the hook. They don't deserve for me to forgive them so quick because they hurt me so bad. But imagine Jesus on the cross, looking at the people that he healed, looking at the people that he delivered, looking at the people that he fed, laughing at him, scorning him, spitting on him, mocking his name, and, 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 and saying, crucify him. But yet on the cross he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, there's deliverance in forgiveness. Amen. There's healing in forgiveness. Yeah. We may think that, you know, once we get to our promise that we can hold on to all the hurt, but we're not going to be able to prosper as we should if we're holding on to past hurts. If we're holding on to things that people have done to us in the past. A lot of times we feel like, you know, that, 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 that if we are, don't forgive someone, we're, we're, we're punishing them for what they did. But the truth of the matter is, you uh, not forgiving someone because they hurt you is like if a dog bites you and you want to bite the dog back. Mm, my Lord. Imagine how silly that would be, right? You're like, you bit me, I'm going to bite you back, right? But how much harm are you really doing to the dog? Right, right, right. You're still hurt. You'll probably get even more hurt trying to bite the dog back. Right? And it's also like 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 drinking poison and expecting someone else to get poison. When you don't forgive others, you're only hurting yourself. So you have to release those that have done wrong to you. Give it to God and don't expect for God to pay them back with evil. Forgiveness is actually wanting the best for that person. And that's something that, you know, is, is really hard for me to grasp because it's like, you know, when someone does you wrong, you can say, well, I forgive you. But in the back of your mind, you're like, man, I hope they, they have to pay for what they did to me. But true forgiveness is actually treating them as if nothing happened, wanting the best for them. And, and if you get to the point where you're seeing them and all of a sudden you something comes over you, you probably haven't truly forgiven them. But when you trust in God, when you understand that God is forgiving you of so much, then you will, will have no choice but to have a heart of forgiveness. Joseph, like we said, had a choice to put his brothers in slavery, to punish them for all that they have done. But I believe Joseph had the heart of, of Jesus because he said, when you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And I'm not going to hold it against you because you, you may have wanted to plot to kill me, but I'm going to forgive you and release you and allow you to be able to live in this land of Goshen. Because Joseph not only brought them to his land, he put them in a specific land called Goshen where they were able to prosper better than anyone else in the land. So not only did he forgive them, he was a blessing to his brothers. So once again, we're also learning that God is using us when he blesses us to be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. Even the ones that hurt you, sometimes God will cause you to be a blessing to them. Will you be obedient enough to allow God to do that? Mercy. 
Amen. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what dream that you have, no matter what promise that you have from God, you may be in the struggle right now, but God's promises are yea and amen. And you have to hold on to that in the midst of your, of, of your struggle, in the midst of you feeling like giving up, in the midst of you wanting to turn your back on that promise. Trust in God. Keep hoping in God. Keep believing in God. Keep being faithful. Keep your integrity intact. And do all that God has asked for you to do. Because sooner or later, God is going to turn that thing in your favor. God is going to come through on your behalf. God is going to work a miracle on your behalf. You just have to keep holding on. Keep trusting in God. And I want to I want to quote that scripture one more time. In Psalm chapter 27, David said, I have fainted unless I had believed. Yep. To see the goodness of the Lord. I believe Joseph would, would say amen to that. I would have given up if I didn't believe to see amen. the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have given up if I didn't hold on to my dream. I would have I would have fainted. I would have turned my back if I didn't remind myself of the promises of God. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say. On the Lord. It's not going to be easy, but the journey is going to be worth it. Yes. You're waiting. God is building you up. God is making you stronger. He's causing you to mount up with wings as eagles. So allow God to do what he wants to do and trust the process because God knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Praise. Amen. Let's stand together this time. Let's lift our hands at this time. Let's thank God for speaking to us this afternoon. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word, Lord Jesus, will not return void, oh God. Lord, you have a purpose and a plan. Someone here needed to hear this today. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that the word would, Lord, remain in our hearts, oh God. It would be fruitful. Lord Jesus, we thank you, O oh God, for speaking to us today, O oh God. Have your way in our lives in the name of Jesus. Give us the courage, the faith, O oh God, to not give up, to keep holding, holding on, O oh God, to keep pressing on in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soul for Jesus, for Jesus Christ. So you, you are going to have to go through hardness. You're going to have to go through hard times, but endure that hardness. Keep yeah. holding on. Keep marching forward as a good soldier for Jesus Christ because he, 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 he has already had a plan for you, and he's bringing you towards that final destination, that expected end. So no matter what bumps you endure along yeah. the journey, yeah. keep marching forward as a good soldier. Amen. God bless you this afternoon.